Hey friends, I wanted to let you know what to expect on the Disciple Henson podcast in the coming weeks. We plan to have Anthony Locke and Kyle Jensen back on to discuss part two of video games and the Christian. So if you listen to that first episode with Anthony and Kyle and you have questions, feel free to let Kyle and Anthony know or to let me know uh, if you have any questions or things that you would like us to discuss as we look forward to having them back on the podcast. This week, our very special guest is Kelly Bartz. Kelly has been a member here at Henson since 2018. She is one of the more joyful people that you will meet, and she loves to talk about Jesus with the lost and with her brothers and sisters. And uh, she has three verses for us to meditate on that I put in the show notes, so I'd encourage you to check those out, be meditating on those verses as you think about God's work in evangelism and how we can join in in what he is doing. I know you will be encouraged by this podcast. Kelly Bartz, welcome hey. to the Disciple Henson podcast. So excited to be here. This is awesome. We are excited to have you here. We got Vonnie Hewitt here as live audience. Woohoo! All right. Uh, Kelly, we want to talk about evangelism today. Yeah. But before we get to evangelism, tell us about you. So who are you? Where'd you grow up? Tell us a little bit how you came to faith in Jesus. Absolutely. Yes. So I grew up just outside of Portland, born and raised. Um, outside where? Good question. I went to Lake Ridge High School, so okay. just south of Portland. Nice. And um, and then went to school out in Washington, D.C., lived out there, um, went to school, did my internships and worked and went and pursued a master's out there. And during my last couple of years, got plugged in over at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, which is ultimately then how I found Hinson when I moved back to Portland about six or seven years ago now. Time flies when you're having fun. Time flies. <laughs> and you shared a fun fact before yes. the, the podcast that last week's guest, Brian Winchester, and you overlapped. Yes, we did. At Capitol Hill Baptist. Yes, we were the few uh, West Coast best coasters out on the East Coast and I think could relate to the... Um, let's just say the, the different dynamics that take place on the West Coast versus the East Coast. So That's it was, I felt like I was in a celebrity's presence as uh, talking to a Christian hip hop artist and getting to study with them on a regular basis. Excellent. Um, and so are you growing up in a Christian home um, here outside of Portland? Good question. Yes. So I, um, in a family, a uh, younger sister and then two parents, um, mom and dad both came to know Jesus, uh, one at a pretty young age. And then my father, when he was in college, my dad was raised. Catholic. My mom was raised Lutheran, which um, for anyone who grew up in the Midwest mm. Michigan context, that's a pretty strong division mm. culturally as much as um, in faith. And so um, that was actually part of their story is my dad, my mom fell in love with my dad because she thought it was so weird that she not only met a guy who was going to church on Sunday in college, which was saying something, mm -hmm. but he went twice because he went to Catholic mass in the morning to honor his mother as the oldest of six kids and then went to a non-denominational service in the evening. And um, through that time that my parents got to know each other and were married nine years before they had me. And um, I'm so thankful that I get to be here. Yeah. And so you grew up going to what kind of church? Yeah. So I actually went up to Rolling Hills Community Church growing up, which is a fun fact that I did not realize as part of the Henson history. So there were some church 
planting families that went from Hinson over to Rolling Hills. And so born and raised in a really faithful gospel preaching church. And that's also part of my story is meeting new friends in college who did not grow up in a faith context or grew up um, without hearing the gospel regularly preached and had to kind of reconcile those theological differences. And I feel so grateful that when I was, you know, using my brain and thinking through and processing through my own upbringing and what did that mean in today, um, realizing that, wait a second, I grew up with a pretty firm understanding of the gospel and who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf and that we are saved through his grace, not by our works. And that was a framework that I had growing up. And I'm so thankful for parents who made it very clear that um, God doesn't have any grandchildren Mm. (laughs) and that um, my faith really needed to be my own. And so was invited to ask really tough questions. And that has played a key that's, you know, golden thread in my faith walk over the years um, to really see wrestling as an act of worship. Mm. And so while I am certainly very familiar with Christian context and Christian culture, growing up just out of outside of Portland, going to Mm. public school my whole life, going to a very liberal university out in DC. Mm. um, It's actually very normal for me to be around non-believers. And in fact, I'm much more comfortable oftentimes being around those who don't yet know Jesus um, than I was in kind of Christian culture, Christian context. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that, Kelly. Uh, Praise God for his work of grace in your life. Um, And your story is our prayer for like the Mm. kids of this church, right? Uh, Because you came to Christ then at at an early age. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea like how old you were? Yes, I was four years old in Sunday school. And um, we were, and I remember the woman who has now passed away to cancer, um, but Carol King shared who Jesus is and Mm. what he's done for us on the cross and invited us to respond. And so that's when I came to know Jesus and then was baptized um, in fifth grade and then really just went through some significant changes in my faith in a really positive way when I was in middle school. So I have Mm. a deep love for middle schoolers. Um, As my mom, my mom will often quote Eleanor Roosevelt, who said that if you give a child responsibility, then they'll have an opportunity to be responsible. And I grew up with a lot of mentors in the church context who recognized that just because I was a middle schooler, that didn't mean I didn't have agency and an opportunity to respond in faith to who God is and what he's done. And so that was actually really where my heart for evangelism began was I, when I was in sixth grade. So I was that weird kid who was like sharing in a public school, you know, we were asked to do a book report and I did a book report on a biography of one of the women who died through the Columbine shooting Mm. because she responded that, yes, she does believe in God and Jesus is her Lord and Savior. And so those were like not encouraged by my parents, not prompted by them, just something where I was like, wait a second, this is an opportunity to tell other people and about Jesus and to invite them to know him. And mm-hmm. so as I look back on that experience, have a deep love and therefore deep love for our uh, friends and families and our brothers and sisters who are volunteering in middle school ministry and mm-hmm. who are discipling their kids at home because um, I know many friends who came to know faith later in years and um, but I came to faith at a young age and I'm so grateful for those opportunities to flex those muscles as a middle schooler and as a high schooler. Nice, nice. And in this very room, we're in room 304 of the church. Yes. The ceiling's about to cave in on us <laughs> um, it does with the water damage. <laughs> uh, but uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to be launching uh, 
middle school or actually youth Sunday school in this very room. So we yes. can be praying that just as the Lord worked in your heart mm. in some transformative mm -hmm. ways in middle school, uh, giving, you know, as you had this conviction to take responsibility for your faith and share that good news with, with friends, um, that some of the maybe middle schoolers and high schoolers who meet in this room in just a few weeks, uh, will have that. And, uh, Camille Miles will love that quote from, what was it? You said Carol or no, your Sunday school teacher who helped lead you to oh, Christ. Oh, yes. Carol King. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and Kelly, just one more question about yeah. you personally. What do you do for work? Like, oh, what are you doing during the day? Great question. Yeah. Yes. So I work for a nonprofit in town um, called The Contingent. So we focus on three primary areas coming alongside of those who are impacted by foster care, those who are impacted by incarceration, and then um, young leaders of color and rural Oregonians, helping them with career mobility opportunities. And so in all three of those spaces, love the opportunity to reflect Jesus to the watching world. Mm. And, um, and I love that through the organization I work for, we actually have a deep connection to Henson. So for anyone listening who's familiar with Every Child PDX, our work with foster family families and or families of origin and caseworkers um, and just loving on those who are impacted by foster care. Hinson has been a really strong partner for many years now. And I'm so thankful that my personal life and my professional life get to overlap in that way. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're really thankful for that partnership that we're able to have with you and with the contingent and every child in particular. Um, when I first heard what you did for work, I thought, oh, I want to do a podcast with Kelly on her work <laughs> and foster care and all those, you know, all the those things that you're involved in yes. during your day job. But your your biggest passion is sharing Jesus with others. It's true. And that's what we want to talk about uh, for the remainder of our time here. Um, so what was it something in particular that gave you the passion that you have today? Maybe just talk mm -hmm. about the passion, like how I think when we think about evangelism, many of us become feel inadequate or fearful, um, feel like we don't have the, you know, the, all the answers to the questions that people might have, or it's just hard to get in those conversations. Uh, so many barriers, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the enemy is tricky that way mm -hmm. and, our, and our flesh can lie to us. So how, how do you, have you grown in your passion to share Christ with others? You talked about middle school, mm -hmm. maybe just give us a little story on how you've grown and maybe different challenges along the way. Certainly. Yes, yeah. I can do that. I want to first speak to when you mentioned inadequacy, I think that is not only very normal, but I actually mm -hmm. think that's a very realistic response to the invitation for evangelism. Because mm -hmm. if we think that it's in our own power that we're going to be able to invite someone to know Jesus, then we're sorely mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, I think where that becomes a dangerous fear is when that's then placed as if the Lord isn't going to redeem our limitations and mm. isn't, is not aware that he is creator and we are indeed creature. So if anyone listening to this struggles with that inadequacy, I actually would say like, yes, and amen. Like I can relate so deeply with that. Yeah. Um, but I think what we have the opportunity to do is to turn towards the Lord in that inadequacy rather than kind of towards ourself and, and turn inwards. Amen. Um, so with that, all that said, going back to my own journey, um, it, it definitely seems to spark right around middle school for me. And that came from a lot of, I mentioned these mentors, both mm -hmm. um, in my family, both my parents, but also those outside of my family in the church community. Um, my mom actually, one of the things that she did was connected me with a woman at our church and said to me, Kelly, I know you're going to be going through middle school and you're going to have lots of questions about so many different things. And while I want you to feel comfortable 
comfortable talking about them with me. I recognize you're not always going to feel comfortable talking with me. And so I just want to connect you with this woman. And she took me out to coffee and my mom just really opened that door for a relationship to grow. And that woman happened to be help running our middle school ministry at the time. And so as I was really mentored and discipled by her, um, came to understand how much I really love Jesus. And as soon as I by God's grace, just, and I know you can't see my smile under the mask, but it's just mm-hmm. like talking about Jesus is the most exciting thing um, because he's changed everything. And, um, and so when I think about not only what God did on the cross and the final uh, atonement that that created for me and, and what that means big picture in my life, it also has entered in the way for me to develop a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that has been the joy of every year since coming to faith in, mm. within the Lord. And so as I think about some of the challenges or what that trajectory has looked like, um, as you know, some, some people talking about evangelism will bring this up that if you really love something, you want to tell other people about it. I'm known amongst my friends. I have a deep love for food and a deep love for the outdoors. And so if I find myself eating really good food, I have a tendency to want to tell everyone about it. Um, or when my East coast friends come to visit Portland, I have like 20 lists of things for them to do. And 19 of the 20 are food related activities. Sounds about right. And, um, and as I think about that and the correlation there with sharing the gospel, it's like, if this has brought so much joy to my life to be known by the one who created me and to be known by the one who died for me, to be known by the one who said yes to loneliness, who said yes to pain, um, fully aware of his humanity as much as in his godliness, um, that has changed everything for me. And so if I really love these people that I'm in community with, whether it's at school or um, out in the neighborhood or at work, then an outpouring of that love is to invite them to know Jesus. Mm. And so I think what really changed my perspective on evangelism is seeing it twofold. One, as it's an opportunity to continue worship. It's um, yes, it's a command, but it is also an invitation and then, um, and then I also think that it is as it is worshipful and what God promises to do for our good and for his glory, that is also the opportunity to share the gospel. And it is the most loving thing that we can do to those around us, um, is to invite them to know the one who loves us best. Mm, yeah. I love how you put that there at the end in particular. Um, so follow up and summary of yes. everything that you just said, um, <laughs> Say someone's listening to this yes. and they think to myself, I'm never going to be as passionate about sharing Jesus mm. as Kelly. As I hear Kelly talking about, um, how do how would you encourage someone to grow in a passion for evangelism? Mm. Like, what would your advice be? And I'm really just getting at that good answer you just gave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually take it really practical. Yeah. I'd start by telling Jesus about that. I think Mm -hmm. um, we miss out on a lot of opportunities because we think that we have to have it figured out before we talk to Jesus about it. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly in my own story, in different seasons that have been difficult, not just in evangelism, just in life that have been really hard, um, I my understanding of Jesus and my love of him deepened the more open I was with him about what was going on in my life. And so if we're wrestling with like, I don't feel that same passion about knowing Jesus, or I don't feel that same um, enthusiasm about sharing uh, about Jesus, sharing Jesus with others, um, I think we start by 
ask, like confessing that to the Lord and, um, and asking him to change our perspective on this. Um, and so then I actually think it starts with an internal work before it can be an external work that we first have to fall in love with Jesus in order for us to invite others to fall in love with him. Amen. That answer your question. That answered it. Exactly. And I think, you know, we, we know how you cultivate a love for for anyone or mm-hmm. anything, spending time mm-hmm. talking to that person just as you began. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, if you remove evangelism and kind of sequester it from the rest of your life, like this is a ancillary thing that I need to right. do in order to be a good Christian, Yes, you know, yes. you're kind of setting yourself up for failure <laughs> yes. and it's just not going to be that, that joyful outpouring of well uh, heart that's uh, in love with Christ. Right. Right. And yeah. I love how you just said that it, it is just that it's an outpouring. Mm-hmm. It's an overflow. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, something that we need to first think, okay, how do I evangelize or how do I get excited to do that? And then kind of like course correct to get us to that outcome. Mm-hmm. Rather that is an that is an outpouring or something that comes as a result of our deeper intimacy with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so just as we are called to fall in love with him through prayer and through reading his word and through fellowship with the local body, I think those are the best ways for us to grow in our evangelism. And mm-hmm. we'll get to talk about some practical ways to to do that. Mm. Um, but I think that that has been the most transformative in my life because it's also the most authentic and mm-hmm. people see that mm-hmm. the watching world is paying attention yeah. and, and they know if you're doing something to get a notch on your belt or to check something off your list or so you can fall asleep better at night mm. versus, um, I want to share this with you because I love you deeply mm-hmm. and I want you to know the one who loves you best. Great. So let's get practical. Yes. Let's, uh, let's talk about, um, boldness um, so I, that's kind of a transition to, to, from what we just talked about, uh, but how do you, how do you grow in boldness and how practically kind of related to that? So two part question, do we grow in knowing how to transition to talking about spiritual things, mm. uh, especially in a culture and even often a cult, a church culture that finds it very easy to talk about the food that we love, the different outdoor activities we do, you know, uh, all these things, football, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you transition from those kind of conversations to conversations about the Lord? Ooh, so boldness yes. and transitions. Okay. So okay. how, how have you, what has the Lord taught you mm-hmm. in those kind of two related things? Mm-hmm. I think on boldness, it's first recognizing the stake recognizing the landscape that we're existing in. If the world is even more spiritual or at least as spiritual as it is physical, um, asking the Lord to open our eyes to see what he's doing in the world around us. Um, and that is one of the really practical ways that I think he invites us to pray. So I actually was, was reflecting on a couple of ways that have been helpful for me to pray and that others have modeled for me to pray in preparation and to kind of help uh, garner or, or develop that boldness and that compassion really for those whom God has created and whom God loves. Mm. Um, one is to ask God to open our eyes to see opportunities and then for courage and the boldness to lean in. Mm-hmm. I try to do this, um, take even two minutes before I have coffee with an unbelieving friend, or if I'm texting a non-believing friend, particularly about harder things, we're just checking in with one another to ask the Lord that he would open my eyes to see what he's already doing, because mm. that's the thing we don't, we're not the one starting this work, he's doing it and we get to join him in that work. And I think that when we can remember that, that helps grow our boldness. Mm -hmm. Um, Also praying for specific friends by name has helped with my boldness Mm -hmm. and understanding of application of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I have one of my good friends, Will, has a 
index card that she just has taped up on her mirror. And so when she's brushing her teeth in the morning and brushing her teeth at night, every day has between seven and nine names. So like Monday, she prays for these seven and nine people and Tuesday every week. And she prays particularly for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Mm. And just bringing those names to mind with that level of frequency, in addition to knowing the deep work that is done in prayer, um, that can give us a greater level of boldness. Mm. Um, I also think confessing our need for Jesus um, and confessing our fear mm -hmm. is a really helpful way to lead us to boldness. Again, it's not something for us to just contrive on our own or come up with because it sounds like a good idea or it's something we need to do, but it's his spirit that's going before us and developing that. And then I also think we get to, this has been helpful. I talk about understanding the landscape. It's also understanding the, understanding the eternal landscape in our own lives, which means praising God for his miraculous work in our lives, mm -hmm. that you and I and Vonnie, we all get to celebrate that odds are very high that it was because someone else said no to their personal fear and said yes to showing you how much God loves you, um, that we're sitting here today and mm -hmm. that we get to know Jesus and be united as spiritual family. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think praising God on a regular basis for that gift of salvation um, can help us be more aware of what's happening in the world around us and therefore grow us in our boldness. Um, and then I also would add the danger of dwelling on missed opportunities. So as we're praying oh, for opportunities, I think um, it can be, I mean, I'll raise my hand and say I'm the first to uh, get in the car after talk, having a longer conversation with a gas attendant or with a nurse in the doctor's office. Um, and I'm like, darn it, I missed that opportunity. And I really felt like the Lord was knocking on my heart and was like, Kelly, like now, now's a moment, like use this, this is your entryway. And I just ignored it for any number of reasons, mm -hmm. um, either fear, or I didn't really want to, or I felt uncomfortable or I was just tired. And I was like, God, not today, which talk about our own selfishness that gets in the way of sharing the good news with others. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the evil one loves to use shame to turn us away from the Lord when in fact, that's the exact opposite of what we need to do is to both confess that, yeah, Lord, I, I missed that opportunity and, and you, you provided the door and I just closed it. Um, and then as we confess that opportunity, then take the opportunity to pray for that person, for the other interactions that they're going to have for other interactions you might have with them. Um, and then with that, to celebrate God's mercy and his grace, to know that he is far greater than whatever opportunity missed or otherwise that you were challenged by. So as they talk about those opportunities, you'd asked about transitions. Yeah. So yeah, like you gave even some practical examples when you're talking about missed opportunities, mm. you talked about like a gas attendant or sitting in a nurse's yes. talking to a nurse or doctor yeah. or whatever. Um, how do you go from talking about your health or mm -hmm. how much the gas is <laughs> to, <laughs> totally. to about Jesus? Yeah. Great any, question. Any thoughts? On yeah. That? So I, one of the ways that's been helpful for me is to think about questions I'm likely to get asked on any given day. Mm -hmm. um, so this goes, and I'll, I'll back into some of those more practical examples of like in the doctor's office or talking to someone in a waiting room. Um, but I think it starts with even just the most general question of, hey, how was your week? When you run into your coworker or colleague, odds are good. They're going to ask you on a Monday, how was your weekend? Well, what if we use that opportunity? I think, you know, level A or option A is to say, it was really wonderful. I'm thankful for time with my church family, or mm. I'm thankful for an opportunity to go to church. Mm. Um, that just gives them an opportunity to know that there's something 
else going on in your world and and provide the door for maybe follow-up conversation. Where I've been challenged is to take that even just one step further, um, to be really practical with that question. And church in some ways can even fall into that like Christianese lingo. <laughs> lingo. Yeah. Like it means one thing to us, but it doesn't mean the same thing to the watching world. <laughs> and so instead to say, yeah, I was really thankful for this time this weekend because I, I spent some time opening the Bible with my friends and understanding more of who Jesus is and what he's done and how that is actually changing my day today when I didn't really want to get out of bed and show up here at work and leaving it with that sort of open-ended, almost awkward moment. Um, it's amazing how many people just step right into that yeah. and certainly bypass it plenty of times. Sure. Um, but I think that is one of the practical ways and happy to share some more transitions that come to mind. But that's one that has been very helpful for but me. Just thinking through it in advance and, yes. and thinking, I mean, we do this in other conversations that we think about mm -hmm. or that we care about. Mm -hmm. um, I think so often, you know, if I do mention to, like, how was your weekend? Oh, I, you know, what did you do this weekend? I went to church. Oh, that's interesting. You go to church. What kind of church is it? Baptist. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, what do they think about <laughs> what kind of Baptist? Uh, you know. <laughs> yes. So yeah, thinking about uh, how to, how to have those conversations a little bit ahead of time. So you don't find yourself, um, not that awkwardness is bad. Right. Um, so talk about being willing to be awkward in transitions. Yes. Yes. I actually, one of the things I have found to be most helpful when awkward in transitions, um, is naming the awkwardness. Hmm. So sometimes I'll say, Hey, I know this is awkward. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about something that our culture doesn't really, it would say is unwise for me to talk about or mm -hmm. is weird for me to talk about. But I think we're at that place in our friendship where we can talk about deeper things mm -hmm. and watching their body language in that moment, mm -hmm. um, seeing if they're then open to that, if they lean in or they're nodding along to that transition again, can actually increase my boldness to say, okay, maybe this is a moment or an opportunity to at minimum talk about deeper things, which for them might not be talking about spiritual matters or particularly talking about Jesus. But then I have the opportunity to guide the conversation towards the gospel and towards talking about Jesus. Um, I think we can lean on the the gift, if you will, of our culture here in, in the U.S. or in Western spaces um, to talk about, you know, if we ask someone a question, odds are good they're just going to ask us the same question in return. Yeah. And so in the middle of a pandemic, using that as an example, mm -hmm. um, using that as a chance to touch base with your friend, someone who you know more deeply, or even a neighbor who you've just kind of touched base with on a regular occasion and say, hey, I'm having a rough time with this pandemic. Mm. How, how are you doing? Mm. Or, or open opening up to say, when, when you're thinking about life and death, which just seems to be in the news all the time right now, mm -hmm. does that make your thought patterns go anywhere in particular and see if then they have the opportunity to, they take the opportunity to then share with you where their headspace is at and, or to reverse and turn it around and ask you the same question, um, which then gives you an opportunity to share the gospel. That's excellent. And I think if, um, non-Christians can do this. Yes. <laughs> I think we can ask for help from God to, that we might well be willing said. to be, to be bold, to ask that question. Uh, a, a neighbor who I barely know. I mean, I did, I couldn't even remember his name, but I, I see him from time to time. I think he's in the neighborhood. Um, just yesterday asked, what do you do? You work here for the church, right? It's like, yeah. He's like, what's your role? And then he said, Hey, would you ever want to get together to talk about like bigger things in life, like Wild. meaning of life. And, you know, 
I didn't think it was awkward. <laughs> he probably thought to himself like, oh, I'm kind of taking a risk here. Yeah. But if he was willing to kind of take that step, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much more? Mm-hmm. We who have been entrusted with the best right. news in the world um, and just that's loving people, being mm-hmm. willing to go deeper with mm-hmm. with uh, with friends, with mm-hmm. neighbors, with quick contacts like that, well maybe said. somebody on a plane or, right. you know. Absolutely. So. And I think even as you share that, Someone very wise in my life once said, you won't know how they'll respond until they do. Yeah. And I think what is unfortunate, but so let's just name the reality is I think as followers of Christ, we can think it's really awkward to talk about these spiritual things. Um, And yet the watching world, I've I've been surprised (laughs) by how many people who don't know Jesus are actually very open to having conversations about heaven, hell, the future present time, difficulty, injustice, mercy. I mean, you name it, they might use different language to describe it. And they might not be thinking what they're about to talk about is an opportunity for you to get to tell them about who Jesus is and his victory on the cross and Mm. the relevancy that that has for their life, just as it has had for your own life. Um, But for us, I think we can get so caught up in our own headspace. And I joke that our heads can be a dangerous place for us to be by ourselves. That's <laughs> and, good. I like that. And I think um, as followers of Christ, we can help hold each other accountable to that, to encourage and to challenge one another. That um, the reality is, going back to something I shared earlier, is that inviting others to know Jesus is an awesome way to worship the Lord. And it's the best way that we can love those around us. And Amen. if that's our posture towards these people that we're sharing the good news with, even, even as I say that, I don't really love saying like these people, like as if they're like otherizing or, I know what you mean now. Um, yeah. but we can, we can kind of draw this dividing line. And when in truth, they just like us need the same grace that we needed, rather yes. that was yesterday or 10 years ago or four decades ago. Yes. And, um, and so when we can be reminded of all of our, in, certainly iniquities, but also our inadequacies, um, that can go a long way in helping us kind of just level the playing field to talk about things as if we were talking about the football game, or mm. as if we were talking about, you know, the Portland Art Museum's newest showing or what have you is to then transition that into deeper things. That's good. And this is getting a little away from transitions, but illustrates something that you said a minute ago, just from my own life. Um, when I lived in DC mm-hmm. for four years, I, I had a friend uh, named Paul um, who didn't, uh, who was very atheist, pretty in some ways antagonistic against mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. gone to college together okay. and uh, weren't close in college, but then we found that we're both in this new city together and we started connecting. And uh, he had like really not very much interest in Christianity at all, mm-hmm. like wasn't interested in reading the Bible or anything like that. But I felt just compelled to, you know, on a somewhat regular basis, ask him questions about the Lord and what he was thinking about spiritual things and about the gospel. And I think I I was often apologetic, like, Mm. hey, I know you're not like interested in, is it? is it okay that I keep on bringing Jesus up? <laughs> and he was like, honestly, if you didn't, mm. I would think that you didn't care about me. Mm. Cause because based on what you believe yes. will like happen to me, if I don't believe, I would think that you don't care about me at all. If you didn't bring these things up, right. which was a good to hear that. I've heard that maybe in theory, but to hear that from like a non-Christian friend, yes. I was like, okay, they, they understand that even if we're being awkward, right. even if they maybe don't want to talk about it yeah. at the time, like that it's because we care, mm-hmm. we, we, we care about the eternal state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, okay, well, let's, we, we just have a few more minutes left. So we need to talk about a few more things. 
How about the church? So you've been involved in church your whole life, mm-hmm. but how is the church helpful in evangelism? Mm, yes, really good question. Um, gosh, there's a couple ways that come to mind. One, I the corporate witness of the church. Uh, the number of friends I've had whose family members have either come to know Jesus or at least had the opportunity to hear the gospel because they saw how the church family showed up in their son or daughter's life. Um, when they were in the middle of transition, they showed up to help them move. They brought them meals after they had a, a surgery or they had a n- newborn. Um, and and the world pays attention to that. They're like, that's weird that these people who are complete strangers to you are offering of themselves. Um, and so I think that is a really powerful corporate witness. Certainly Sunday mornings, it's one of the reasons that I am so thankful to be plugged in here at Henson is the clarity of the gospel on a Sunday morning. Um, I imagine many of those who will listen to this podcast have heard, you know, if you were to invite someone, I can't remember what the statistic is, but if you were to invite a non-believer to church, odds are pretty high that they'll say yes. Rather not they'll follow through on that, I have found can be a a harder piece. And Mm -hmm. so I actually would just share as a quick encouragement for anyone who has recently invited their friend to church and their friend surprisingly said yes. And they've invited them two or three times and they still haven't showed up um, to encourage them to continue to persevere in that, mm. not only in the invitation, but certainly in praying for them. And um, and I'm going to take this as a quick side and I'll come back to the church, but right. I think just the importance of loving people well, really well before, during, at, by sharing the gospel and then after sharing the gospel, because they will also pay attention to the lifelong or friendship long witness that you have in engaging with their life. And so if they feel like you just engage them long enough to share your two cents and then you're out of that relationship or you're not interested in showing up for them because they rejected it or because um, it was awkward or uncomfortable, they're going to see that and they're going to notice that. And, um, And so I think it's, again, if we go back to like, how do we grow in our love for evangelism? We grow in our love for evangelism by growing in our love for Jesus. Mm. And how do we grow in our pursuit of evangelism? I think it's because we grow in our love of people, Mm. which flows from our love for Jesus and resting in Jesus's love for us. Um, So to bring it back to the church, the fact that I cannot come to a Sunday and not hear the gospel double negative, but that is such a joy to know that I am going to be reminded of the gospel and the context of the church body and, um, that I'm going to have others who are willing to pray alongside of me for the salvation of my family and friends, especially those relationships that have been most challenging or taxing or those friends who, or family members who feel very far off from the gospel or feel like they have just been resistant to it every time I've shared with them to have friends who understand the pain of that, who are willing to weep alongside of me. Um, and, and then to also ask and seek out opportunities to expose them to other people who know Jesus to join me, to go on a hike with them or to uh, care well for my sister when she's in PA school and needs a place to crash for the weekend, um, that they're the first ones to open their home. And again, I think that corporate wist- witness is really powerful. There's also two things, and I t- touched on this a couple Sundays ago in evening service, but two really we can talk about as believers the importance of preaching the gospel to ourselves. And while they, I have learned the nuances of that over the years, and at first I heard that and that made no sense to me. It was like, that sounds like Christianese. That I was like, what do you mean preach the gospel to yourself? Um, but I have found that actually inviting people to know Jesus through literally sharing the gospel requires literally practicing mm-hmm. <laughs> preaching the gospel to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so in the context of the church, that's really I've really seen that operate in two ways. Um, one is learning to wake up in the morning 
um, especially during the pandemic when it's been just more isolating and spending three to five minutes to actually say the gospel out loud to myself through prayer and to thank Jesus for who he is and what he's done and trust him for what he's going to do in the day ahead. Mm. And then in the context of the church, getting to do that with other believers. And so for those who are listening to this conversation, I'd encourage you to challenge your small group to um, just share the gospel with one another. That could happen in pairs. You know, you could all pair up for five minutes mm -hmm. um, or have one person every every time you meet for until everyone's had a chance to share the gospel and then um, reflect back what you heard, reflect back the nuance that they shared that was of encouragement to you in your own walk. Mm. Um, and I have found that if we share the gospel literally out loud, whether it's to ourselves or to others in the context of the church, we're more likely to have it on the tip of our tongue so that it's going to come up in conversation, either because someone will ask us or because we're more likely to direct the conversation there because it's something that we're regularly preoccupied with. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this church is so concerned with the gospel because it is the start and the end, but it's also everything in between. Mm -hmm. It's our, mm -hmm. it's our endurance, it's our perseverance, it's our joy and our hope. Um, and so to be in a church body where that is encouraged and where we are challenged in that, um, is, is a big deal. That's, that's fantastic. That's really helpful. I, um, it's hard to be faithful in evangelism if you're not a part of a church family where mm -hmm. you're hearing the gospel regularly, where mm -hmm. you're being encouraged in these ways, like we need one another for this. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate everything you said there. We got to go to lightning round. Okay. So you got to, you don't have to <laughs> cover, fire. cover everything. Yeah. Rapid fire here. Just, I'm looking for just general advice. So things okay. that you would be, you think would be helpful for the people at Hinson in particular, as they think about sharing the gospel with these people. Got it. And I'll, and I'll just throw in a random one too, that has nothing to do with evangelism. <laughs> um, so any words of wisdom on sharing the gospel at work? Yes. Um, asking people about their lives so they know that you care about them generally, and then coming in prepared with answers to those basic water cooler conversations that you know, you're going to get asked, like, how was your weekend or how are you doing? And gear that conversation back towards sharing the gospel. Boom. I love it. Any words of wisdom for sharing the gospel with longtime friends? So people, like I kind of shared the example with Paul, but it's like, man, I've, I've, I've shared it. I've shared it. What more is there to say, you know? Yeah. Uh, twofold. One, keep praying for them. Okay. I think we're called to do that for decades yeah. if we need to. And then two, to those transitions, I found as I've prayed for them. And so if I'm praying for them, big picture, I'm praying before I meet with them to say like, Hey Lord, please open my eyes. If today is a day that that their heart is being softened towards the gospel, let me step into that. Help me to see that. Um, and so then some of those transitions that you can prepare in advance are like, hey, I know I've talked about going to church. Have you ever had any questions for me about that? Or I know I've talked about Jesus and that that's really important for me. Have I ever shared with you like the crux of what that is or why mm -hmm. that's important to mm -hmm. my life? Mm -hmm. And just asking a question about a topic that matters so much to you, you if you are in long-term relationship with people, people have likely have either thought these questions or or would be intrigued to know your take just as they want to know about you more generally. And if you've expressed interest in knowing them more generally, they're likely to want to know this about you as well. I love it. I love it. That's really good. 
Um, okay, here's your random one. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't prepare you for this. So something you said earlier, uh, say you have a friend coming into town, Christian or non-Christian, okay. doesn't matter uh-huh. uh, for this. Um, and they've never been to Portland before and you want to take them, you can only take them to one like restaurant or place Ooh. that has food and you have uh, $40 cash ready to Gosh. go. And they like, your friend likes the same kind of stuff you do. Okay, okay. So oh you, my goodness. No pressure. Something in your top three. Ooh, top three. Yeah. Okay. I go with Verde Cocina. It, I don't even know that place. Okay. I'm so glad to help you out then. Yes, this is, please. Consider this my gift to you. Okay. In addition to talking about how much we love Jesus together, yes. that hopefully this will inspire you to go get some really good pork belly. Um, okay. So Verde Cocina is a farm to table Mexican style restaurant um, based off of with food that's in season. And um, there are three or four different locations scattered throughout Portland and the suburbs. And it is just truly fabulous farm to table Mexican food. So they pile on. So the pork belly, I'll just take a brief moment to talk about this pork belly. Okay, It's like marinated in sugar and fat and they slow roast it for hours. And so when you get it, it just falls apart in your mouth. So you combine that with guacamole and carne asada. Goodness friend. Does it kind of make you feel like this? Or wait, <laughs> no, that wasn't it. Um, I was looking for kind of, I actually think the both and the first one yeah. actually is kind of like this magical moment of like, is this really real? Mm. And you're like, yes, yes. It My is. mouth is starting to water. <laughs> okay. Back to the gospel, um, sharing the gospel words of wisdom with family that can often be the yes, most intimidating. I do. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so maybe you're at Verde Cocina <laughs> and you're talking once again about the things you talk about with family, yeah. any words of wisdom on mm-hmm. just loving, loving our family with the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think our family can be the hardest in part because they're, they're usually the harshest critics because mm-hmm. they're the most likely to see the fullness of our lives. Mm-hmm. So one of the most loving and helpful things I think we can do in our gospel witness to our family is to confess our sin to Hmm. our family. Hmm. Um, certainly even using the language sin can be very, uh, alarming to our family members, Hmm. especially depending on why they're not walking with the Lord. If they grew up in a church context or maybe, uh, extra resistant to church or Christianese language. Um, I find dropping language like that, but getting at the crux of what it is, is far more important. Um, and so just acknowledging the areas in which we're struggling or when we've hurt them or harmed others, um, that can go a long way in softening their heart to recognize like, wait a second, this person doesn't think they have it all together because they're actually confessing that Mm. to me right Mm. now. Mm. Um, and so then to transition into talking about the gospel, um, for them to hear how significant is, is to your life, not just on a Sunday. I think that goes a really long way. I'm thinking, I mean, most of my extended family do not know Jesus. Um, and even some members of my immediate family don't know Jesus. And so in those relationships, I go back to one praying for them. I just cannot express enough how important that is. I'm getting like emotional talking about how important prayer is because Mm. I think in feeling the isolation or the the importance of what is at stake and feeling so frustrated or distraught or discouraged or disheartened by someone who I love so deeply, not knowing Jesus, um, to know that the Lord weeps with that far more than I do. Um, and he also knows how to meet them in a way that I don't know how to meet them. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we're praying for them diligently, inviting, going back to our conversation about the church, inviting the church to pray with them, those Mm -hmm. have been some of the most life-giving conversations or tears in my eyes at the end of a service where someone turns to you and says like, Hey, what 
can I walk alongside of you in prayer? What would that look like? Mm. And using that as a chance to then pray for that family member. Mm. Um, and then going back to just the really practical, it's talking about Jesus's relevancy in your life throughout the week, trying to drop as much of the Christianese or Christian church lingo as possible, mm -hmm. um, but just an opportunity. Drop it as in get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yes. Correct. Not drop it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I can't think of how you. Well, when I became it. a Calvinist. Yes. Them, yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not like that. <laughs> um, but, but avoiding it, um, getting it out of your language, mm. um, which I actually think is really, it's a helpful exercise for me. Cause even to pause sometimes mm -hmm. and say like, what is a word? How would I describe sin without using the word sin? Mm -hmm. Or how would I describe the gospel without using the word gospel. Mm -hmm. And that exercise is really good for our own hearts to remember the significance of these words that over time can kind of feel mundane or mm -hmm. overused. Um, but then it can also be really helpful in our witnessing conversations to use words that aren't alarming, but rather used to, to use language that is disarming and feels more authentic mm -hmm. than hiding behind language that feels um, more comfortable and therefore less vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And if we can lead with vulnerability, think we're more likely to receive that vulnerability in response. Mm. Kelly, you've given us so much uh, good stuff to think through, to pray through. Mm. I don't usually listen to these podcasts because uh, I don't like to listen to myself. That's fair. I don't but like uh, <laughs> I feel like this is one that I want to go back and continue to ask uh, the Lord to, to help me and to help mm. our church grow in these mm. ways. So thank you for taking this time to have this conversation. You've been great. <laughs> that's, that's the people of Henson. We recorded them cheering one time. Well, it's amazing. Yeah, it's that, so that actually comes from a recording after one of my sermons. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. I was waiting for that. that makes a ton of sense. Yes. Kelly, you've been great. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, brother.